You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here in the beautiful Diamantina Shire. We've currently, I think it's now 40,000 days without an active case out here in the Channel Country. Uh, things, things are doing all right. Uh, you're joined by myself, of course, Clancy Overall and Errol Parker, editor-at-large. How are you, Errol? I'm all right, mate. Everything's all nice and sunny over here in the west, so I uh, hope things improve out, out your way soon. Yeah, mate. It's, it's it's yeah. No, we're not doing too badly. But that's Western Queensland. Yeah, we're pretty much unaffected by this virus. North Queensland and uh, and the southeast corner have taken a battering over the last year. Not as bad as you know, of course, New South Wales and Victoria, but th- they have taken a few knocks. There's been a few snap lockdowns, and uh, today's guest actually, in some capacity, represents both those regions, North Queensland and the southeast corner, right down to near the near the border. We're joined today by the leader of the opposition in Queensland, uh, LNP leader, the kid, Chris Afuli. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good, uh, good day to you, boys. It's been a thousand years since I've been called the kid, so that's, uh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> we're, going to start, we're going to start with that, David. Was that a football thing when you were playing Young Guns with Robbie Catter? When, is that where you picked up that nickname? Or? No, I only, only played uh, once against Robbie, and it was actually in a game of union. Uh, right. I never played against league. Thank goodness he was a lot tougher than me. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, union, union was probably more my shtick than league because for league I was too weak to be a forward and too slow to be a back. Mm. So uh, in union I just found this home just turning up to every ruck and every mall. If you had a little bit of fitness, you'd be okay. Nobody knew I was never pushing. I was never scrummaging. I was just there and uh, rolled on to the next one. You can hide away in union. That is one oh. of the, that's one of, the, uh, one of the joys of it actually. Now, where are you at at this very minute that we talk to you? Was obviously, you're zooming in for those for those listening at home. We're zooming in with David Christopher Where are you based right at this minute? Uh, I've had a big week on the road, uh, but I'm just back in Brizzy. I'm at the airport, about to fly north to Townsville, back to back to where it all began for me. So for a weekend up there. And can you tell us? Does that feel like home when you when you fly back into the beautiful deep north? I always say home's Ingham, yeah. and um, you can't. Uh, no matter where you go, there's always an attachment with where you went to school and that group of mates. And um, for me, that's Ingham. And I've still got a, a small little cane farm up there, which which Dad looks after, um, which keeps me grounded and keeps me – well, some people buy racehorses. Uh, some people drink. That's their vice. <laughs> I, I work to subsidise my agricultural hobby. Mm-hmm. But – it's um, I don't know. I, I love those I love those regional towns, and I I fear for them to be to be honest. Without getting too political, I, I fear for them because if they don't find a reason to to grow, you're going to have some amazing towns wiped off the face of the earth, and we'll be lesser as a state and a nation for it if we don't find a way to re-energize agriculture and tourism and and mining in some of those little communities. Now, just speaking of, um, you know, re-energising the regions, was Robbie Catter as good at league as Bob likes to tell everyone? Uh, he was pretty handy. Um, he, <laughs> was he? he? Yeah, yeah, no, he was. He, he was, uh, you know, he was I, probably... I always thought that Bob was full of shit. Well, he is, but <laughs> <I'm trying. laughs> but, but um, not, not when it comes to your boy. And if he's anything like my old man, 
it, it's if anything they talk us down rather than talk us up. So yeah. I've you know you could uh, I could score 150 on the cricket field and Dad would say I was lucky. There was a few French cuts and top edges. Same with <laughs> same with Robbie. That's how it works, mate. The old boy will always yeah. keep you grounded. <laughs> now you spoke there about the the regions needing a needing a boost or or needing some love at least. Well, let's address the elephant in the room. You represent the LMP now. Mm. You were with the LNP. I mean, you are obviously you are the uh, member for down there on the Goldie, but obviously Ingham boy. And the LNP represents uh, the Regents. Why was I guess you'd say Labor Premier from Inala, very much in the suburbs of Brisbane, able to get one over you lot last election? Well, it's not just the last election; it's the last mm. few elections. But well, they got quite quite a big one over here last election. Yeah, they did. And, yeah. and look, we've got to address it. And I'm I don't underestimate her. Uh, many people have always said, "Oh, she's this and she's that." I don't underestimate her, and I never will. I'm sure she underestimates me, but that's okay. What I want to do is I want to try and find a way to bring the city and the country together. And I think I have a fair grasp at both ends of the state. And I have what I've sought it to do is rather than try to walk both sides of the street, I say the same thing when I'm in Brisbane as I'd say if I'm in Bullia. And I talk about agriculture and I talk about the need for land tenure and water security. I talk about mining, but I talk about it being to the highest environmental standards. I talk about tourism, but opening up our natural assets and doing it in a respectful way, but you know, trying to do what the likes of Tassie and New Zealand have made. Uh, but I also talk about the southeast and say that if we're going to have a, a, a an Olympic Games and if it's going to provide opportunities for the whole of the state, you need a southeast corner that has a thriving business sector as well. So I, I've got no dramas talking about both ends of the state and I've got mates in both ends of the state and I'm proud to come from one and represent another. And uh, that's, I hope, will be our key to our success. Now, you don't – I mean, you, you are proud to represent both. Member for Broadwater down there and – I guess uh, in the greater Gold Coast region. Born and raised in Ingham, Ingham Italian. Can you tell us with that move, okay, and it's worth kind of highlighting this, did you always have the Gold Coast in your sights or was that kind of an Angus Taylor, let's move here six months before an election kind of move? No, I was there for a few years, but I can tell you one thing. Um, the most daunting experience of my life was moving from one end of the state to the other uh, for a couple of reasons. And um, when I lost my seat at the start of 2015, I didn't realise it, but it ended up being the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I was a young bloke in a hurry and I needed a kick in the ass, and uh, and I got it. And despite doing reasonably well on primary vote, I actually won on primaries. Uh, preferences meant that I lost my seat, but it made me it made me a better politician. I'm pretty confident, but it definitely made me a better human being. And um, I set up a business and things went okay. I relocated to the other end of the state. But to have to start again and build your networks again, it was the most daunting thing ever because I'd been um, either a, a member of parliament or a councillor, deputy mayor. Um, I was on TV for many years. So walking into a room in Townsville, I, I knew every bugger and every bugger knew me. I had to start from scratch and I remember coming home at times, you'd go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting or a Rotary meeting and it, it was it was tough, it was tough, but I'm glad I did it. 
and um, I've, I've found a I've, I've found a place that I, I really enjoy, and and they've given me an opportunity. I hope to do good things, not just for the coast, but do good things for the for all of Queensland. Network is an interesting one, particularly in the LNP. There is a, a reputation that the LNP have, not as badly, I guess, as the Southern Liberals, but the LNP does have a reputation of a bit of a boys' club. You are raised by cane farmers up there. Everyone knows the story of you know how the Italian community came to be in Ingham. It's very tight-knit. How did you feel coming down and now taking the reins of basically an institution where if you, you, know, if you didn't go to the UQ and go to the right schools in Brisbane, you, you might be seen as a bit of an outsider. Um, I've got to change the culture of the party and yeah. um, I've put that on the line from day one. And the fact that so overwhelmingly at the state convention there was change delivered and that change was about decentralising power and giving it back to the grassroots, that, that's, been, uh, that's the platform to succeed. But, but we need as a party to reform and part of that involves policies, absolutely. Part of that involves candidates. And I've said from day one, I want to see more candidates in winnable seats that represent a more diverse and a more broad part of the Queensland community. So I want to see more women. I want to see more young people. I want to see more people who are running a small business and able to take time off that to go and campaign. I want to see more people from multicultural communities. I want to see more Indigenous people and I'm going to be held accountable to that. And if we don't reform, if we don't reflect the broader uh, look and feel of what people want, uh, we won't be successful. And I've said from day one that I'm going to reform the LNP. And when I did, I had a lot of people mock me and say it won't be possible, you know, you won't get change in the constitution, etc. But remember, they said the same thing to Wayne Goss in the late 80s about the Labor Party. And the Labor Party of the late 80s were about as successful as the LNP of the 20s. Uh, and that's the 2020s I'm talking about now. But Goss did reform it. And in the UK, David Cameron reformed the Tories, who were just a mob of stuffy, top hat wearing, fat old white guys. And uh, he brought them into the 21st century. And that's what I'm doing with my party. And whether or not you vote left or vote right, or whether or not you p- the people in the middle, um, Queensland will be better for that reform to have a credible opposition. Just for people outside of Queensland, I mean, like a lot of people try to speak for Queensland, um, you know, on on a federal level. Like you know, when Scott Morrison, I guess, was returned to power, it was off the back of Queensland. People wonder why, at a federal level, Queensland can be so liberal, but at a state level, at the moment, it's 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 quite Labor. Why do you think that is? Uh, I've done a heck of a lot of soul searching and, and the answer is, is a difficult one. And to make it even further complicated, at a council level, so uh, many of your listeners may not grasp this because it, it just seems so bizarre, but the Brisbane City Council is a political council and it's uh, the largest local government in the country. It's, you know, its budget's the size of Tassie and it's a Liberal administration and has been for 20 years. So... In Greater Brizzy, they vote for the Liberal Party at a council level, they vote for the LNP at a federal level, and they haven't voted for us. And there's a range of reasons, but if I had to put my finger on it, I say well, the, the path to change it involves we've got to focus on service delivery and show people that we're not going to look and sound like traditional Tories, dare I say it, that it's all about the bottom line. 
I want to talk about service delivery where we improve, not value for money, but improve the service of health. So when you pick up the phone, an AMBO is going to turn up. And at the moment, ambulance ramping in Queensland is at nearly 50%, which is just absolutely abysmal. I want law and order to be back on the straight and narrow, and I want to know that there's enough coppers and laws to protect them. I want to have housing opportunities for everybody, including social housing, by working with the with the community sector and give it, giving an opportunity for people who are less fortunate to get that chance at life. And when I talk about the economy, I want to strip away all this nonsense about an economy with a bottom line. I want it to be about an economy for purpose, where a young kid can get an opportunity from nothing and rise through the ranks and achieve what they want. And I just want people to aspire and aspire for more. And aspiration looks like different things to different people. So for someone who you know might be born into a family business, it might mean taking that family business from 10 people to 20. For someone else, it might be to be the first person in their household to ever own a house. And that might be a one bedroom unit somewhere. Don't care. I just want people to be able to realize their dreams. And the third thing I've got to do, so service delivery, economy. The third one is about transparency. And uh, I want us to, I want people to look at us and be proud of the way we conduct ourselves. No backroom deals, no um, political shenanigans. I want us to be honest. I want us to be accountable. I want us to share information with people. I want us to focus on customer service. And I think if we do that, people um, might just give us a crack. And if we govern with humility and decency and at a pace that doesn't scare the heck out of everyone and try and do everything in two minutes, we might get the opportunity to shape Queensland the way that I think is benefit for all end of the state. How would someone like uh, Ken Du Campbell hear about uh, feel? How would he feel about some of the things you're saying right now? A lot of positivity there, a lot of creativity. Does he make up one of those top hats on the hill? Does he represent the old guard, or is he is he someone that you kind of? Uh, I guess, look up to? Well, we made a decision at state convention to go in a direction and that was a unified direction and I've outlined all of those things about refreshing. Campbell's chosen a different direction and he's joined another political party. Uh, But I'm not going to shit can him and I'm not going to wish him harm. And, um, you know, of course I don't want him to be politically successful. It'll come at the expense of my side of politics. But I'm not, you know, I'm not driven by vengeance, and I'm not going to get out of bed and hope that he gets run over by a bus. I, I, mm. I, I, that, that's not my style, and, and and likewise, it's not my style with my real political opponents, which is the Labor Party. I, I, I'm not, I'm not someone who, I, I'd like to think I'm not a malicious bugger. I play hard, yeah. and I'm going to win. And I'm, you know, Camp Campbell's gone in a different direction, and. I've just got to make sure that my mob's ready to to win an election and, more importantly, govern the right way. Well, we saw over the past couple of days, though, um, the Prime Minister labelled, you know, people of the West, Queenslanders, Territorians, people who would prefer to live inside the cave of COVID-0 than, you know, exit the cave and take Delta on, you know, head on. Where does the Queensland LNP kind of sit on this, you know? I, I... are you more or less resigned to the fact that the Delta variant's going to wash over Queensland sooner rather than later? 
Uh, no, people people value their safety. Um, that was a message I got loud and clear during the election campaign, and I'm I'm not silly enough to get spanked for the same reason we got spanked last time. I can tell you, um, people people put safety high. Yeah. Um, but my gripe with the premier has not been around her desire for for safety. My gripe with her is that we haven't had a unashamed push to get people vaccinated and give them light at the end of the tunnel, and. The constant moving of the goalpost and the constant mixed messaging on vaccine. At the moment, we're at the back of the pack, and if you look at the trajectory, we're likely to be the only state that doesn't reach the target by by Christmas, and um, that upsets me. So everything I've done has been to say to people, "Look, I know that there's different voices out there, but go and get vaccinated because that's our ticket back to some form of normality." and the reason why we've got to get vaccinated, different people will have different reasons for it. One person might say it's because I want to know that the business at the end of the street is still going to be there and the people who work there have got a job. Someone else, it might be, I just want to see my grandmother I haven't seen for two years and, and put a kiss on her cheek. I don't care what the reason is, just bloody get vaccinated. And all of the mixed messages from Queensland and you know, I'm sorry, but there has been, and and that hasn't done us any favours whatsoever. The the premier found every reason not to get AstraZeneca, and my mates who are GPs tell me that that didn't instil any confidence at all. So I've sought to say to people, regardless what your views are on what level of openness we should be at, what level of percentage, righto, we'll have that debate down the track. But in the meantime, get vaccinated because all you have to do is look overseas to realise this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. In New South Wales, 90% of the people who are in intensive care are unvaccinated. Now, my goodness, if ever there's a need to roll out mass vaccination hubs and get cracking, it's right here and right now. And I haven't given a free pass to the, to the feds on this either. I wanted to see vaccines roll out and more of them more quickly. And I've said that and I don't you know, I won't walk away from that. But I also want the state to get a bit of a dose of reality in the way that they sell their messaging because it's been pretty ordinary. David, we look at someone like Gladys Berejiklian, right? She's struggled with this whole mixed messaging, everything. It's come, And a lot of it's come from above her. How would you, you know, if you were given the reins of, uh, you know, of Queensland, if you were the Premier, how would you manage underneath a government like the Morrison's government? Because it's clear that Gladys gets lent on a bit and uh, quite often there's a bit of interfering from the feds and uh, that looks like it's caused her a lot of trouble. How would you, would you be able to tell your idol, Scott Morrison, to woo up a little bit there, buddy? Well, my idol's Ricky Ponting and Matt Hayden, so... Um, so, 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 so um, look, um, I'm, I've always been my own man and I always will be. But where, where I think needs to happen is you need to be independent and stand your ground, but use the relationship to get results. And I'll talk about quarantine as a classic example. And WellCamp, in my mind, is a classic example of this. If ever there was a family that could do something in a good time, to a good standard, it's the Wagners. Those those so guys, Wagners. Th- those yeah, they they own half of Toowoomba and the other half they're looking at buying soon. They, they <laughs> those blokes those blokes are doers, and they will always find a way to do things. But what we've seen in the last couple of days from the state, in my mind, that does no one any favours whatsoever. You've got to work with the federal government of the day and find a way through. And every time that you 
you know, say, oh, we're going to go it alone and we're going to do this. All it does is undermine confidence across the board in the ability for governments to get their crap together and work together. And so my view is you hold them accountable, hold their feet to the fire, call them out on the amount of vaccines coming through, call them out on anything that you want. But you've also got to say, these are the conditions, this is what we are each responsible for, and this is how I'm going to lever on that to get things done. So there is a midway point and it can be found. I mean, that, that is a great point, and I'm sure if the LNP were in charge, the Wagner thing would have moved a lot quicker. <laughs> well, well camp, uh, quarantine facility. But at the end of the day, Anastasia did go at it alone mm. and um, had made it clear that she would be. She had been told that it wasn't stacking up. Yeah. That Toowoomba was a desert town. That was coming from the feds. It looks like this might be. There might be a bit of interfering from certain radio broadcasters that didn't want that to happen, uh, as opposed to the federal Liberal Party. But she pulled the trigger yesterday, and then today, the feds announced a Brisbane quarantine centre, almost like the state has been leading the charge. You know, well, just in in defence of the feds, the Brisbane Quarantine Centre was announced a month ago and that was a partnership. So my, my issue my issue with WellCamp is that the feds, for one reason or another, said it didn't stack up. The community didn't want it. So had I been in the role, I would have found another location, found another opportunity and get the feds to cough up their side of the money, which is what they're doing with Pinkenbar that you mentioned. But we need more than one. And my criticism of the government is this business of we're going to go it alone. What would have been better is you use your energy to not go it alone, but drag them to the table to get them to pay for what they need to do. No one wins when when you pick political fights. And by the way, the fact that the announcement happened one day after they shut the door to Queenslanders wanting to come home with two hours notice many of whom might have been interstate burying a bloody loved one. Well, mm. I'll let others decide whether or not there was a game of political shenanigans, but I don't like when people get treated as pawns in a game and, uh, and people can determine whether or not that was a, a set play that unfolded during the week. Valid point there from the kid Chris Afoli. Now, we, I want to talk about 10 years from now. There's a big possibility 10 years from now that there is – or five years from now, that there is a Queensland Premier, Christopher Foley. Uh, at the same time, there could be a New South Wales Premier, Barilaro. Then there could be a Victorian Premier, <laughs> Molino. Oh, this is good. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then we're talking. And at the same end, there's probably a Prime Minister, Albanese. Yeah. There's, um, is, yeah. I know where this is what, going. What, what, do, do you, yeah, do you remember? You, now, now, you boys are a bit too young <laughs> for this, but the, the Illawarra Steelers at one stage had Schifolidi, Pincinelli, and they, were, they called them the Spaghetti Brothers. So do remember that I'm, I'm getting yeah. I'm getting a feeling here. I'm getting a feeling here. What you what you're saying is rather than the conspiracy theory that um, this vaccine's all about control and 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 making people's minds like robots, you're insinuating that wogs are trying to take over the nation, aren't you? All I'm saying is maybe the national cabinet would get on a bit better if that well, was the scenario. Well, I'm not sure we'd get on better, but the food would be a shitload better, and and you'd have you'd have lasagna for lunch and cannoli for smoko, and at night time you'd have some uh, maybe some saltenbocca with a pasta mendele after. What is that drink they they have up there in Ingham? They put the forex gold with the no, no, grappa is the drink you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a little cocktail. Yeah, um, my nonno, my nonno used to have grappa every morning in his coffee. He said it was essential for his heart to get started. 
<laughs> well, that, that that is an interesting point. Like a, the it's and it's almost unique. I mean, aside from Griffith, of course, but it, it's it's a uniquely North Queensland thing to have such a big population of rural kind of Southern European community like Ingham, hmm. and uh, obviously. That there was it was it sugarcane obviously was the the main industry there. Yeah, look, to be honest, it's the only industry there, and and that's yeah. one of the challenges. It's a it's a mono economy. So at the moment, it's going not too bad because the price of sugar for the first time in a long time's kicked, and the season is reasonable. It's not the biggest crop they've had, but it's reasonable. And when yeah. that happens, the town goes well. Unfortunately, it lives and dies on it, and it's no different to the west. So at the moment, you have got two thirds of Queensland's in drought, and I don't think people realise that we we're still. The bulk of Queensland is still in drought, and so you can have the best cattle prices you like. If you can't feed them, it's it's pretty hard to make a living. So, no, it's it was a very much. I have to say, boys, I, I had a I had a pretty blessed childhood growing up there. We, we, you know, fishing was great, riding motorbikes was great, food was always good, and um, a, a funny little anecdote. I remember when I when I first moved to the coast, I was talking to someone, and he said, uh, "Can I ask? Did you sort of did you get a bit of cop a bit of stick?" being a wog at, at school and I looked at him I said being a wog at school I said the, I was surrounded by guazzos and sorbellos and cristoros it was the bloke Smith who copped it <laughs> I'm sure that was the case especially especially yeah. when all the all the nonos banded together and created this thing called the North Queensland Cowboys that probably helped the popularity as well a little bit in Ingham I think oh absolutely and, and who did we get to chair it Lancini who did we get as the first captain Spina we did it right. We did it right. <laughs> North Queensland in itself is a, uh, you know, it's all, it, you're talking before about service delivery, but you almost need to curate service to, to North Queensland. Mm. They are a fickle people. They, they'll turn on a, on a slight wind. They'll go radical left or, uh, or they'll go radical right. There's a, you know, it's politically volatile. And we've seen once upon a time there were communists elected up in North Queensland. How would you describe their political climate right now up in the deep north? You're right. It's, it, it can be volatile, but I wouldn't say they're fickle. Um, I'd say they don't suffer fools and yep. they don't like being fed rubbish. And, um, you know, we, we had a state election campaign where the Premier took to the election platform to keep people safe and strong. Not sure people in Townsville think it's very safe and strong at the moment seeing a group of marauding teenagers ramming police cars and smashing a security guard in the face while he sits there doing paperwork. And law and order, I'm not going to walk away from it. It's a big issue. And, um, you know, people people want a hell of a lot more than that. They want a, a diverse economy and they want government to get, a, get out of their way and allow them to make a living. But law and order is a, a very big issue. But you're right, politically, it's always a challenging area. And I look at the... I look at many of the current margins, and they're in the federal scene. And I, I think, despite that, there'll be some there'll be some real challenges because people people always there's a there's a lot of swinging voters, and I don't think that's fickle. I think that's them having a red hot look at things. And finally, to go back to where you started, that's a piece of political history that most people don't know. You're right. The only ever communist member elected to a parliament was a guy called Fred Patterson, and it was up there in Collinsville. So allegedly. He, and he was quite popular with the uh, the cane farmers. He, I believe he was he was a rock star, <laughs> and and my uh, I'm told that it wasn't until he bumped his head 
and they say that he sort of went a little bit funny after that, that that was the only reason they stopped voting for him. So yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting bit of political history. And to show you that how, how different things are, the current state member up there is actually one of ours, one of the only two north of Bundaberg we have, I hate to say it, but it's a bloke called Dale Last, and he's very popular in that area because he's his own cut of a man as well. And it's interesting. They will embrace a local champion regardless of political colouring, which is why one of the things I've said to the party in part of that reform is I don't want a state election campaign that looks and sounds homogenous where you just have a group of nodding donkeys standing behind a leader just in a suit and tie. Uh, they don't want that. Yeah. They want they want people to be their own voice and to be able to have a crack. And at times that means that they'll have to tell people that I've got it wrong and I'm okay with that. There's a bit of a youthful, uh, I guess, element of Queensland politics too when you really look at it. I mean, you're just looking at the future of the KAP and that's going to be Robbie. And, of course, you've got your classmate, Nick DiMetto, up there in, in for the K- KAP yeah. up there. Hinchinbrook. Yeah, in Hinchinbrook. And there, there, is a, there is a kind of youthful energy. Why, uh, why do you think that is? Whereas the rest, you know, the rest of the country, there's still a lot of people that probably in, that are retirement age in any other workplace. Well, before, firstly, you said uh, Demetto was my classmate. Uh, he's a lot younger than me, which is why his rig is like a thousand times better. By the time he's my age, he won't look like that anymore. I tell you. Uh, but but he won't be on Instagram. Might, yeah. He won't be posted on Instagram. Well, actually, like I, that anymore. I wouldn't mind if that stopped now. Actually, but um, well, my deputy's the same age. He's he's forty as well, David Janetsky, and you won't find a more decent or intelligent bloke in the parliament. Jared Blay, who's manager of opposition business, isn't even forty. Brett Mickelberg is, I think he's 38, and I've got a young fellow called Sam O'Connor is in his early 30s. Laura Gerber in Corumban is same age. You're right, there's generational uh, renewal happening. And uh, I think that's important across the political divide. There's some younger Labor people who've been elected too. That does no harm. Now, you don't want a parliament full of young people, uh, but you don't want a parliament full of old people. You, you want a diversity of opinions. And, and I think people uh, are better served when there is that diversity where people come from different backgrounds so that that's uh, that org as well so just on the topic of the future um in a couple of years time brisbane's going to be hosting the olympic games and right now a lot of the stimulus especially on the east coast is being paid for by the west australians do you think we'd be able to lean on the west australians to pay for the olympics too well if mcgowan competes he might, um, but otherwise we'll get well, that, we'll get nothing. That could be the first Olympic Games where WA is there as its own country. Well, but, you know, in the end, do you remember those images of Vladimir um, scoring goals in hockey and that kept him interesting? Let's get McGowan over here, I don't know, put him in shot put or discus or something, let him win and let him pay for it. Yes, I'm happy with that. In sailing. And, and sailing. It doesn't matter what yeah, it is. He's an old Navy. That's okay. He used to drive boats in the Navy. Uh, but I, I, I say I say one thing, though, and I know there's a view, particularly in the bush, about uh, the Olympics draining money away, and I understand that. I see the Olympics genuinely as an opportunity for us to promote Queensland and get people from across the state to build infrastructure across the state. I see it as an opportunity to sell a 20-year tourism vision that enables Cairns and the Sundays and the Gold Coast and Longreach to promote, and everywhere in between, to promote their point of difference about what makes them authentic and unique. And in a post-COVID era, clean, green, safe, 
that will be our uh, our mantra and it will give us opportunities. And yes, sure, there's going to be a focus on Brisbane for the couple of weeks of the games. But if we do it the right way, we can honestly get Queensland to, to really hum on the back of it. And that's why I haven't sought to... You know, whisper one thing in the bush and one thing in Brisbane. I've said the same thing consistently. I think there's an opportunity there, but it needs proper planning. It needs things built at an affordable way, and it needs to genuinely promote all of Queensland. And if it does that, we'll look back at it in the same way that we look back at Expo 88, which we all went to as young country kids. And it was the defining moment where Brisbane went from backwater to a city we were proud of. This is Expo 88 on steroids. It certainly, I guess, decreased your chances of getting robbed at Knife Point and South Bank, that Expo 88. It really did change the uh, the light industrial southern side of Brisbane's river. Where were we talking about the Olympics? Are we thinking, Taryn, are we, we, we going to expand Gabba as a sporting precinct? What's the plan? Well, the Gabba it needs a, a, a facelift anyway. So this is an, a golden opportunity to do that. But there'll be urban renewal along South Bank. You, you, need, you need athletes, villages, you need all sorts of things. But, but what we really need to do is make the most of our existing venues. So I mentioned about upgrading the Gabba, but there were some good facilities built on the, on the Gold Coast for the Com Games. We've got to use those. We have to find find opportunities to use existing facilities in the regions and that will happen as well. So what Coates has said is um, 80% or more of the venues will be existing venues and if we get that right, that means that we can drive value for money because I want to see a lot of money spent on other infrastructure as well. So roads and rail and and everything in between. If we can do that, I think um, it'll, it'll genuinely be a legacy play. If we don't, you end up building facilities that you probably don't need and you probably can't afford, and um, and no one wants to see that. 80,000 seats at Allen Border Oval. (laughs) (laughs) And a light rail too. I think that Brisbane needs a light rail. Right up the guts. Mm. (laughs) Right down the Story Bridge, just turn that into two lanes each way and put a little tram down it. Be fine. Rip up the bitumen, just put, put some grass down there. Flowing yeah. meadows of green grass on the Story Bridge. Cane train. <laughs> Cane train. <laughs> you've got it. You've got a, your work cut out for you. It seems like you know how to get on with uh, both sides. Is there any possibility that we might see an LNKP government? Robbie, are you uh, listening? Yeah, I love you, mate. Yeah, is there any- I love you, Dick. I <laughs> oh, mate, oh, look. <laughs> I have to do what I have to do is make sure that my side is ready for government and that we appeal to a broad cross section of the community. And I want everyone who humanly can to vote for the LNP. But what I won't do is tell everybody what a shit bloke Robbie Catter is because I won't do the disservice to your listeners of saying that. I get on very well with him. I like the bloke. I always have. But I would prefer they vote for my mob and uh, I'll articulate the reasons why because I can unite the city and the country, I can end all of the shenanigans and that's why I want them to vote for me. Uh, But my style is to do that by showing why uh, I can lead a re-energised political movement, not why others are crap. And uh, you'll never hear me bag... You'll never hear me sit there and bag other politicians. I'll debate issues hard, and when I disagree with something, I won't take a backward step, but I don't make it personal, and I think that's the best way to do it. If your plan is to honestly unite the city and the mm. bush, which you're in a position to do, you've lived in both, how are the uh, the, the the federal Nats ever going to get elected again? Because that seems to be a big political play by a lot of people out there. 
now. The and and particularly it's 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 a it's a running theme in Australian media pitting the bush against the city and sometimes it's a bit populist and sometimes it actually doesn't make that much sense mm. when there's a lot more in common that these people share than you know the, uh, the the hardline kind of conservative populist would lead you to believe yeah and look uh, it's a different scenario they're two different parties and i'll let the the federal nats and the libs defend themselves i've got no interest in that but when i go around queensland and this week i drove from Brizzy to Rocky, in fact, to, to Yapoon in a day and stopped stopped in, in Bundy and, and Gladstone on the way. So I don't mind covering miles. But when I talk to people on the ground, the same issues, it might be, they might be dealing with different things, but it's the same aspirations that I spoke about before that drive people. You, you, it doesn't matter if you're speaking to the butcher in, you know, Bark Alden or the bricklayer in Brisbane, all they want is the following. They want to know that if their kid gets crook, they can get decent medical treatment. They want to have a good education for their kids, absolutely. They want infrastructure that's fit for purpose. So that might mean a new road in the city. It might mean a sale yard in the bush, but they want that sort of infrastructure that can service their needs to make make ends meet. And above all, they want government that doesn't regulate the hell out of them. And Mm -hmm. if you can deliver those things, I don't think it's a case of having to pit one against another. I I genuinely believe that. And I was, you know, I I was in Longreach with Lockie Miller only a month or so ago. And one of the old timers there said to me, look, we understand there are things that you have to do and, and, and have to achieve for Brisbane. We get that. But if in the end of it, it means a government that's not going to launch war on our ability to farm, uh, we'll cop that. So there you have it. He just wants less regulation. So he's got security of land tenure to be able to buy the property next door and get on with his life. That, that, that to me, it sums it up. If you, if you believe in allowing the individual to aspire for more and do what they want, good governments do less and get out of the way and let people get on with their life. Good man, Mr. Miller. Good local member. He, he's, uh, he's okay. He's from uh, he's from a good part of the world, I'm told. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no, a, he, another he, ex-journo too. Yeah, doesn't doesn't miss the opening of an envelope, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, or, or a 4X gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's what you've got in your hands here, the LMP. Uh, you'll be able to rein them in and see how you go. How many years now? Have you got a, have you got a death clock till the election? When, yeah, it's, how many it's days? Uh, October 24. Which uh, yeah. I think, by my count, is four decades, six years. No, it's a long way. It's still three years, and, and that's why when I go around Queensland, I I, I don't want to say to people, "Vote for us, and all will be okay." Yeah. I want to try and affect change in the meantime as well. And we've had some wins. We've, uh, you know, there's a business support package for small business and their staff that only happened because we gave the treasurer a bloody nose over the course of a month. Uh, we've done things in the tourism space to get the government to sit up and take notice. The first round of youth crime amendment, even though it didn't do the main thing we wanted, which was restoring breach of bail, but there were still a few things that got that we put on the agenda. That was because of having a crack and we'll keep doing that. And in the end, I hope people look at us and see that we've got our shit together and that we will be ready to, to be a, uh, a government that is prepared to reform, but to do it at a pace that uh, brings them on the journey and is happy to make tough decisions but treats people with respect and uh, that's the that's the tone that I'm going to be taking into the next election. Well, thank you for joining us today, David Crisofulli. Congratulations on the uh, on the Euros as well. Uh, we saw that little video you posted. You 
Couldn't help yourself. Yeah, eh? I also won the hundred meter sprint final at the Olympics, so I would have hoped you'd mentioned that in that half an hour. But Forza, Forza Italia, Forza! Who would have thought, hey? Who would have thought a wog winning the hundred meter sprint, hey? Yeah, yeah. He looked. He, he, looked, he was pretty quick, wasn't he? Yeah, I, there, there might be. He he may have ingested something he wasn't supposed to. But yeah. anyway, in the meantime, we'll celebrate our first goal in yeah. the hundred meter sprint. Go, you good. Team. He looks. He looked like he could be one of your constituents down there on the Gold Coast, <laughs> yeah. actually, with those tattoos and the gold Bit chain. Yeah, he's done okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, we'll we'll see you around the bend. Good on you, boys. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, mate.